Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Neil Garfield Show, a presentation sponsored by the Living Lies blog, GTC Honors, LendingLies.com, and The Garfield Firm. Servicing all 50 states and 24 countries with news and analysis about the largest economic crime in human history. This program is for general information only and should not be used as a substitute for legal advice or consultation with a licensed professional. This show is not intended as a solicitation for the engagement of any services. And now sitting in for Neil this week, it's your host, Charles Marshall. Hello, everyone. Here we are, August 13th, 2020. And this is Charles Marshall hosting the Neil Garfield Show. And Neil will be back uh, next week. And as I've communicated to listeners before, typically Neil and I rotate the show every other week. So for now, uh, I have Bill Padlow with me, and I'm always very pleased to welcome him. Welcome, Bill. Good to be here as always, Charles, and uh, catching up on a little sleep as I'm a new father, as you're uh, aware of last week, a new baby boy son born and in the home, and all all is well with mom and baby, and very excited to be a new dad again. Uh, that is excellent news, and I think I can uh, represent on behalf of all of our listeners, regardless of their position on the issues that we discuss on this show, that we all salute you, we all affirm you, and we all wish you and your new baby the very best in the coming years to come. Thank you I will so much. Say also, yes, absolutely. I will say also parenthetically, you know, regarding today's show, that we have visited and revisited these issues, and the reason we will continue to revisit them and that they're discussed on this show frequently is, the simple reason that they are critical issues and they do represent a continual kind of uh, deep well of activity that goes on in these cases and that we're still trying to both address and redress. We will continue to do that. So the general topics today are merger fraud and document and notary fraud. And Bill Padlo will be discussing all of those. I will be uh, chiming in with my own commentary from time to time. And we will start with our not good friend, but nevertheless out there uh, called the Master Participatory Trust, the LSF9. And Bill will let listeners know what uh, some of the more disturbing developments are on that front. So uh, go ahead and take it away, Bill. (laughs) Sure. Well, as uh, listeners have known or if they've followed, um, LSF9 is an entity that uh, has been rearing its head in courtrooms and foreclosure proceedings uh, for years now, and I've been investigating this entity, and I've exposed it, I believe, uh, in cases, uh, one of which we prevailed last fall down in South Florida, 
to, to really show that this is a sham entity. It doesn't exist. And uh, it seems that every case that I come into against this entity, the facts uh, and the evidence and the story being presented by the attorneys and the law firms representing this entity seem to uh, change like the wind. And uh, it's a constant, never-ending battle of um, uh, trying to uh, show these massive inconsistencies and in all the different documents. And it's just, it's just gotten so egregious that... Um, uh, now we've we've gotten to a point where I think, and I'm only uh, suspecting that, with all the exposure for uh, U.S. Bank Trust being the fake uh, trustee for this entity, uh, they've now switched their game and appear to be executing assignments and substituting in as plaintiffs, uh, now voiding the name of any trustee whatsoever. So they're just basically coming in and executing assignments saying that they're simply LSF-9 Master Participation Trust. Now, I was just called into a case, and unfortunately I got called in uh, after a judgment and a trial had already been entered, but it was a case out in Pennsylvania where the original plaintiff was Bank of America, a uh, successor by, to BAC Home Loan Servicing, formerly known as Countrywide Home Loan Servicing. And uh, after years of uh, the litigation, suddenly in April of uh, 2018, the substituted plaintiff comes in, which is LSF-9 Master Participation Trust, and in a bit of unusual fashion, they don't come in as the substituted plaintiff by virtue of saying, listen, we have an assignment, and we've been assigned this mortgage and note. They came in in their documents uh, stating very clearly that there was a corporate merger between Bank of America, successor to BAC Home Loan, Countrywide Home Loan Servicing, with the LSF-9 Master Participation Trust, of which Bank of America is now known as the LSF-9 Master Participation Trust. So that, of course, uh, uh, and I, I started digging into the, the facts of the case, and of course it's it's just a myriad of, uh, of false claims and, 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 you know, bad documents and defects, deficiencies, fraud, you name it. But I really want to point out that, look, they've gone on the record now and said that this was a corporate merger, and it, it simply did not exist. There was no corporate merger. Um, I've, at least per all of my research, there's been um, no filings with the Delaware Secretary of State to where LSF-9 is registered as a Delaware Statutory Trust. There's been no certificates of mergers. There's nothing in SEC filings. There's nothing in Bank of America announcements of corporate mergers. It simply didn't exist. It's a fake, fake story. Now, uh, why do they resort to all this fake uh, stories or whatever? Well, obviously, it is one to cure um, the defects, deficiencies, fraud that they are exposed or that come out in that particular proceeding. That so they they get caught in some situation and they have to overcome it in some way. So they, uh, they make up a new story or they create and fabricate whatever is needed to accomplish the objective. Um, that's, that's the, you know, the, the, the main reason, but the secondary reason is what, uh, Neil has been blogging about and saying very clearly in his recent posts. And, and he's been saying this for years is that there just simply is no claimant on the other side of, 
uh, or in these cases, being named as a plaintiff or whatever, um, who can come in and, and show with any convincing evidence whatsoever that they purchase this debt for value or that they're owed the debt and they're uh, the claimant to whom the debt is owed. They're just, there's no creditor. Um, and so they are falsely making up these stories, these names, these trusts, and everything else uh, to uh, to obfuscate and to confuse and to create the illusion that, of course, they're the proper party who is entitled to enforce this uh, debt on an alleged default. So we now know, and, and I think the question I've posed to you before, Charles, uh, many times is, look, you know, when these entities come in and their tune and their story is so drastically different, the documents are different, they're caught with all of these clear-cut lies, at what point are they stopped from continuing to make up, you know, more new stories and continue to fabricate new documents? And I mean, at, at some point, they've clearly gone on the position and, and taken a position and, and they're not being held to uh, to any of it. They're just simply being uh, granted judgments um, with with entirely different sets of facts to to the story. Charles, I mean, just you, you know, a quick take on that. A large part of the problem is that the carve outs that have been done to protect those, uh, and what I mean by carve outs. And by the way, I will give a disclaimer that I often given this show, I mean, it's a disclaimer that holds anyway, and it's in both the uh, preparatory uh, dialogue that's uh, essentially put into every show. Uh, Some people call it bumper music, but it's not music in this case. It's just an introduction to the show, whether Neil or myself is on it. And there's also an exiting uh, dialogue that kind of wraps up the show once Neil or I are done. Now, uh, just to reiterate for for everybody's understanding, because this is important, uh, this show is not a forum to provide legal advice. This show is a forum and an outlet and, uh, I think, a genuine resource to present ideas, to give ideas, to give some information but in terms of the legal framework that anyone takes away from that, well, that's up to them. And they, they need to consult with attorneys. They need to consult with expert uh, support people who work with attorneys. And we will use terms colloquially and generally and non-legally, like fraud, uh, like scam, uh, like uh, illegitimate. These are not legal conclusions. These are simply statements about how one could hypothetically look at the topics under discussion. So everybody listening, we're not using those terms super loosely. We, we are saying that there's activity going on. It's sound in whatever descriptive word we're using, whether it's fraud or whatever, but we don't mean that legally. Uh, that's simply an invitation for people to follow up later. And uh, I, I will say on this whole fraud component, when I say carve out, judges have mostly, not exclusively, whether we're talking non-judicial foreclosure cases in California where I practice or 
the judicial and non-judicial all over the country, depending on the state, depending on the case. And Bill Padalo is very extensively involved in those cases as an expert witness on the securitization issues. And just to finish the thread, my thought on this, we have had way too many courts, we've had way too many judges in way too many states say some version of the following. Well, uh, yes, the certificate that this entity was supposed to have to show proper registration with the Secretary of State in their state, oh, it's expired, or it was never properly done, uh, you know, almost to the point where it's even non-existent, but certainly if there's a defect otherwise, then that's a quote-unquote creating a voidable situation but not void. Same thing with things like tax status or if there's some kind of government investigation against the entity, whether it's in the state or otherwise, and whether it is, or I should say, even if it is impacting their ability to do legitimate business in the state, if there's a transaction that comes out of that that ends up in one of these lawsuits, if there's a supposed assignment that the other side wants to present as valid, and yet there has been robo-signing, there has been the total lack of the ability for the signer of an assignment to testify in court or in any other form through declaration or otherwise that they did review the document in some detail, that they did have true uh, training or knowledge to review these documents rather than just robo-signing thousands of documents a day, which, yes, that has happened. And I should say uh, I don't know that that never happens anymore. As bad as it was years ago, doesn't mean that that's a completely disappeared practice. So our side has to show almost as if there is no real entity at all that can be established assigning or taking an assignment from another real legal entity. And so kind of now I'll thread back into what you were saying, Bill. I think the burden on us is so high, we have to show almost literally that there's no legal entity that the other side can show up with to somehow establish that the entity on the document that the judge is reviewing really is the entity that's claimed. I mean, what's your what's your sense of what I was just presenting? Well, yeah, I mean, I agree with a lot of that, except we're way beyond the robo-signing term. And, and I hated the term when it first came out and when it was used for so many years. Because the robo signing simply, you know, the excuse was they're just there's so many foreclosures and they're just overwhelmed and they're rushing through these documents without verifying. We we are clearly in a in a uh, place here where this is mail wire fraud, this is forgery, uh, this is fraud, and I'm going to call it fraud when you have documents. You know, and I'm going to talk about this in just a minute on, on the two scenarios and the cases. But when you have documents where you have notaries who are manufacturing a notary commission and falsely submitting a bond, a fake bond to the state to to uh, claim that they're a notary, and they're working for some of the biggest firms out there who are, are executing these documents and recording on the land records, we got a big problem with that. And what what I point out in my two posts today, and and if you you can find them at bpinvestigativeagency.com, is that the uh, 
I came upon a story out of Texas here last fall uh, talking about fake deeds that are being were being created by uh, some parties down in Texas, one of which uh, the, the name Ortiz, uh, Arnaldo Ortiz, was sentenced to 10 years in prison for fabricating uh, special warranty deeds uh, to fictitious entities and recording them in the land records for purposes of uh, stealing properties. And this is the exact identical types of behavior that I see every day being uh, done by the bank servicers and their law firms and their minions at these mills where they're cranking this stuff out. Now, I've talked about this, and I've uh, the two two big ones that I see on a regular basis, and I'm going to hammer on them, and I'm just... I'm, I'm a bit ticked off because when I hear that they're assembling these fraud task force, the, the, uh, like in this article that I posted today, they, they assembled a deed fraud task force, quote unquote, of federal and local law enforcement. They hit back fast and hard on these uh, documents coming out of Texas. But there's, there are crickets when it comes to reporting the exact behavior coming from these uh, third-party fixer firms, I call them, and these document fabrication mills. They're not taking any action. And, and Nationwide Title Crime, let's just start with them. You can read their, their business model and all of their uh, information right there on their website. Uh, they talk about what it is that they do and the, and the clients that they service. And, and the things that they're doing, and their clients are coming to them saying, we've got issues with the title to, the, to the, these mortgages and loans or whatever, and we don't have a clear title, so go figure it out, and here's what we need you to do. And that's precisely what I was solicited to several years ago by the entity out of Idaho, which is now uh, First American Title. They had uh, inadvertently or whatever, they had contacted me, and they uh, were saying, here's what we need you to do to fix these fatal defects, and they were asking me to commit a felony and to backdate and falsely notarize documents in the chain of title. Well, when they talk about doing these documents, and, and we just had a brand-new, fresh one come out of uh, nationwide title clearing for purposes of this case in New Jersey that I write about, is when the court is saying, listen, there's two things that are needed to collect on a $1.3 million tender offer on a judgment. So I'm, I'm going to jump around here, but my client in New Jersey says, listen, you got a judgment against me, Nation Star." for this $1.3 million, and now I'm willing to tender. I'm willing to give you the full amount, but I want two assurances. Uh, I want to know that I'm paying the right party, and when, I done, when I'm done paying and tendering, I want to make sure that my original note gets marked paid in full with red ink and mailed to me in the U.S. mail uh, back to my address. Okay, they're not unreasonable requests. Well, the surprising thing is that the party that was seeking to collect the $1.3 million after the judgment was not NationStar who got the judgment. Suddenly this newfound trust pops up, and they're saying, we're the ones, we got the assignment from NationStar to send us and wire us the money. Well, of course the red flag goes up, and my client says, now wait a minute, who, who the heck are you? And why should I just you know, wire you $1.3 million when... You have no assignment of the judgment or no assignment from NationStar. You know, so he started asking questions, and he went into court. He went into a bankruptcy court proceeding and, and, and raised this issue and said, wait a minute, uh, you know, I'm willing to pay, 
but I want this, you know, these requirements met. So the opposition, of course, they threw up um, all kinds of roadblocks and said, no, we're not going to give you your original note back, but what we're willing to do, we'll get you the assignment. Don't worry, we'll get you that assignment. Well, the court issued an order, and I posted that order, and it said very specifically, uh, due to the persistence of my client, the court said, yeah, it, it's once this is paid off, if it's sent and paid off, then you are to return the original note marked with red ink, paid or canceled, and sent in the U.S. mail to the address. So I think that really started getting them nervous because it's, they know they don't have the original note. And if they uh, are forced to, to return that via the U.S. mail, well, you know what they're looking at there. Mail wire fraud, not to, you know, not to mention all kinds of other potential crimes. But in the meantime, uh, they're claiming they're owed this money, but what do they do? They go to Nationwide Title Clearing and said, hey, here's what we need. Get us an assignment. So that assignment comes back, and of course, it doesn't transfer any note or debt. It's just a transfer of the mortgage. But it's executed by a gal claiming to be vice president of NationStar. Now, evidence shows through the hire of another fellow private investigator down in Florida, he went out, took some pictures, did his thing, uh, did a nice job, wrote up the report, and proved that not only did the party who executed the document is not a vice president of NationStar, uh, but both the notary and her, they worked for Nationwide Title Clearing. So what happens next is this report and the fraud gets shown to the judge and said, you know, here's what they came back with. Uh, they don't transfer the note of the debt for one thing. But number two, we've got fraud on the document. So the court schedules a hearing for this past Monday, and in that hearing, he names both of the parties on the assignment and says that they are to be noticed for this hearing individually. Now, the day before the hearing, the hearing actually was scheduled for this past Tuesday, the day before the hearing, another entity suddenly pops up out of the blue, another trust, and a law firm steps in as a claimant and says, here we are, and uh, this, uh, I, this is a big misunderstanding here. We've been retained by NationStar. So now we have two competing different trusts, one where they trumped up a fraudulent document, and they're now uh, NationStar has hired you know, both parties, and now they're, they've brought in a new trust and a new party to defeat their prior claims. So it's just you can't make this up. It's so bizarre. But what they're doing is they're telling the court, Okay, you know, uh, this is all sort of one big misunderstanding. We need 30 days to go and fix all this. And, yes, we admit the assignment was improper, and we need to re-record this and fix that. And uh, and they keep hammering to the court. But remember, they haven't paid their mortgage. They're a deadbeat. They haven't paid their mortgage. They're a deadbeat, Your Honor. Forget all this other stuff. Well, again, we're, we're past the deadbeat argument. We're at a point where this client of mine is willing to pay and tender $1.3 million and the parties who are uh, trying to strong arm him into wearing it to them, they're not entitled to it, clearly. And now uh, it's going to be interesting to see what, what happens. But the bottom line here is, in this New Jersey case, and then you look at the uh, Tiffany Bitsoy is her name. It's a gal uh, who was uh, had her notary revoked. Now, in the article I posted today, 
I put in her uh, suspension letter that she got from the Secretary of State in Idaho. And if you go and look up the notary uh, commission, uh, all the names of the notaries in, or in Idaho right now, you'll see that it has actually been revoked. And so um, I'm a bit surprised at how a non-commission that never existed to begin with gets revoked, but that's, a, <laughs> that's just another uh, bizarre thing as to how no um, – enforcement of this particular crime. Now, Bitsoy uh, has not been prosecuted, as far as my research shows. No criminal uh, charges have been brought. She obtained this false notary commission and created a notary stamp uh, back since uh, 2012. And if you look in land records, her name's pretty common. She's probably on hundreds, if not thousands, of documents coming out of uh, Securities Connections and, and this entity out of Idaho. So if you see that name, Tiffany Bitsoy, uh, there's a good chance um, you're going to have uh, issues with those documents. Now, the, the, the insulting part of this, going back to the article where there was prison sentences handed down for this behavior uh, to an Arnoldor Ortiz who gets 10 years in prison, the employer for Bitsoy and Bitsoy herself, no charges. There's been no um, remediation requirements for them to go and clean up this toxic mess of the thousands of documents that were utilized and mailed and and uh, uh, polluting the, the land records and, and most steal the these homes and foreclosures. No restitution, no nothing. It's just look the other way. And it's business as usual for these institutions to continue uh, churning this stuff out. And, and that's really, you know, when you see the, the state of what's going on today um, out there on the streets and this, this, everybody's screaming that there's a two-tiered justice system or they're saying that, uh, uh, that there's no equal application of the law, or you know, there's uh, it's it's absolutely point blank in your face on these issues. Uh, there seems to be uh, one set of laws uh, uh, that they're willing to attack uh, and going after the little guy, but they're willing to take a big giant pass and stand down when it comes to the banks and the large financial institutions. Charles. Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. I mean. Uh, Unfortunately, I couldn't agree with you more on that. And just to clarify, what I was, you know, saying and meaning earlier, uh, the point about the robo-signing is that that's the type of thing which will routinely be called voidable in today's world. And yet there is a whole set of behaviors that does sound in actual failure to assign, actual failure to identify parties, actual existence of one named party that can actually be identified transferring interests to another named party. And yes, what you've been talking about, Bill, and what we need to do on our side is expose where there is literally no identifiable uh, set of parties and where the individual parties who are showing up can't properly uh, identify the relevant, you know, aspects to uh, 
to what's going on. So uh, the whole aspect is uh, deeply disturbing, but uh, I think even in your world, you've got pretty good traction on a lot of this. Do you, do you anticipate some development in, in uh, the short term in either the, the Pennsylvania or the New Jersey case? Well, well, you know, we shall see. But, um, you know, what this really boils down to, and I wanted to say, is that when you go to these entities, they're going to create any document you ask them to create. And that's what they are. They're just a third party for plausible deniability. And when you have MERS involved in the millions of these uh, cases, they basically say, we search the land records to the chain of title. So, you know, again, uh, you come to me, I can't tell from looking at the land records when MERS is involved of all the sales and transfers, and nor can either of these through third-party entities. So it's all a ruse. They're just simply making it up. Whatever They're, they're going to create whatever they're told to create, and that's exactly what's going on. Well, on that note, however disturbing, uh, I will tell listeners that uh, this show will be back. It will be back next Thursday with Neil or myself. It's set up for Neil, and we will be back with our audience soon. And thank you, Bill. Thanks, Charles. The opinions expressed on The Neil Garfield Show are those of its hosts and should not be ascribed to any other persons or entities. For more information about Neil, the blog, or upcoming seminars, please visit livinglies.me. Give us a call at 954-451-1230 or send an email to n-e-i-l-f-g-a-r-f-i-e-l-d at hotmail.com. Thank you for listening to The Neil Garfield Show. If the information has helped you, consider making a donation by visiting livinglies.me. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.